All right, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Just a couple of minutes late, but that's okay. It's, it's all good. We'll go ahead and get started for those who are on, uh, on social media, being able to chance to get started with us here at church. Um, all right. If you don't mind, I'd like to open up with a word of prayer. It's uh, kind of a beautiful day out, and I see a lot of people are out enjoying the weather. So start off with uh, thank you for providing us with this wonderful day, this wonderful weekend that we have. Father, thank you for all the many blessings that you bestow on us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and freely worship you, worship you at this place, uh, especially worshiping with our friends and families, uh, brothers and sisters here in Christ. Father, let us have a, uh, an opportunity to study your word. Let us think about carefully what you would have us learn. Uh, most importantly, Father, let us take what we learn and apply it in our lives. Father, we ask all this in, in our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, precious name we pray. Amen. All right, good morning. So, today is going to be the wrap-up of the series, and I, I had a couple of different ways of going with this. I could have done a summary, but and, I, and I'm, I'm missing one class or one, one day of, of notes uh, to make this a complete session, so I just decided to make this a brand new topic. So... The, the, the topic that I picked is talent, and knowing what you're good at is kind of a key thing. And when I was a kid, we used to have this trick, I don't know if you ever did it or not, but you would take quarters and you would stack them on your elbow, and you'd, you'd try to drop your elbow and catch the quarters. And you'd, you'd try to stack as many quarters on there as you could, and that, that seemed to be a, a talent that people had, you know, the, the ability to, to catch quarters off your your elbow. And I, I don't know how many I could get up to, five or 40. I used to have a bunch of them. I mean, I just be a big old stack of things. So I had, a, I had a decent talent. Okay, I'm being called out by my wife. She's got it. I'll have to get 40 quarters and we'll have to do it. So anyway, I used to do that pretty good as a kid. So the, uh, in the military, there's a uh, joint pub 3.0, which, which tells how people, how to do things. And then it has, a, it has a statement at the beginning of this publication. It says, this keystone publication forms the core for joint doctrine and establishes the framework for our force's ability to fight as a joint team. And if you think about talent and combine talent with ability, those two are kind of the same thing. You, we have certain abilities. We have the ability to move. We have the ability to walk and talk. Some of us have the talent to walk and talk and chew gum at the same time. Um, so it's that... It's the combination of abilities in a very natural way that brings that synergy together. That's what we consider a talent. Um, in the Air Force, there was a guy named Billy Mitchell, and, he, and everybody in the Air Force knows this guy because there's a, a couple of prestigious awards named after him. But in 1918, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Billy Mitchell was over in uh, France in World War I, and he was, he was trying to get a lot of things together. And he was passionate about airplanes and air power, and he had taught himself how to fly and he'd done a lot of things with airplanes, but he was in the Army, and he knew how the infantry worked. And in 1918, in, in April of 1918, he had just enough Air Force power, it was still under the Army at the time, to be able to use airplanes in a unique and novel way. Nobody had ever used airplanes really for combat until Billy Mitchell in April of 1918 decided to use airplanes in concert with the infantry when they were going trench to trench to trench. And he combined those two together, and he directed the airplanes to do things, and then he'd have the infantry move things. And then he'd have the airplanes do stuff, and he combined it together in a rather unique way 
that nobody had ever seen before in the world. And that was the genesis of combined military operations. Uh, he made a lot of fame and fortune for himself. Well, I can say fame. And he became infamous because he, he was so passionate about that particular uh, use of air power that he promoted it up to the point of being uh, basically court-martialed because of his insistence that air power could do these really, really great things. Um, but the reason the Air Force has awards based after Billy Mitchell is if he hadn't done that, we would never have developed aircraft carriers, the Japanese would have. We would never have used aircraft until the Germans showed us how it worked in Blitzkrieg and World War II would have been totally different. So Billy Mitchell was basically the spearhead, the, the, the talent behind getting the military to work together, even in its infancy. So how do we as Christians look at our talents? First off, do we agree that talent is something that is God-given? Okay, good. So when we look at this, what does a talent look like? What does it mean to have a talent? And, and does everybody have a talent? Okay, everybody has at least a talent. God has given everybody the ability to do some things. My mom used to tell me that my talent was to be a bad example. <laughs> but being, a, being able to do things is something that God has empowered us to do. And there's probably with that gift of the ability to do things, there's probably a return on that investment that God's expecting. If you look in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, Starting at verse 14, we have a parable. A man is going away from town, and he's got some money. And the money at that time, ironically, is weighed out in a thing called talent. There's talents of money. Now, Christ is talking about a sum of money. He could have used Daenerys. He could have used any other means of measure. But he used the word talent, which is a large sum of money, by the way. Uh, and he said, a man had these talents of money, and he gave them five, three, and one, according to the ability of the individual that he was given the money to. And the man left, and then he came back, and the man who he had deposited, or he had given five talents of money, had collected five more. The man who had three, is it two or three? Two, thank you. The man who had two talents had collected two more. And so there was this expectation based on the ability of the person to do something with the talent. But the one who was given one talent went and buried it. And so the man who buried his talent was, was chastened by the ruler. He said, why did you just bury my money? Why didn't you use your ability to do something, anything with it? Even if you just put it with a bank, I would have something to show for that investment that I made for it. And so there's a correlation between what God gives to us based on our ability and the resources that we get based on our ability and what God wants us to do with it. He does not want us to bury our talents. Again, the parable, the parable is about talents in the phrase of money, but I want to be able to extend it to include our abilities as well. Our, our talent, our native God-given ability to do things combined with the resources and the riches that he gives us. Because I think that I think America is probably one of the most blessed countries ever in the history of countries. 
I mean, you could probably argue the Hebrew nation probably had a little closer relationship with God because there was that one-for-one -one relationship. But I think, I think America is one of those countries where basically anything we've touched for the last 200 years has turned to gold. We have had very few opportunities that we've squandered. And by virtue of America being this, this talent-laden, talent-rich, resource-rich opportunity, I think America is expected to do some really great things. I think God is wanting America to reach out, and as Americans, for us to do everything that we can do. That we should not be squandering the talent that we have, nor the resources that we're given. And so because of that, I wanted to go through the Bible and put that together, because there's our individual talents, what we have individually. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a, a litany of things that go on in that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talk about how we as individuals are basically like a, like a bank. We're invested. We, we have things that, that God pumps into us. And some of those things include the, the spiritual gifts that are given to each of us. And more importantly, in, in chapter 12, in those first few verses, those, those talents, those gifts that were given are meant to help each other. I go back to the Air Force. The Air Force has a lot of really cool tool, tools and toys that we can play with. But if, if the Air Force is only trying to do what the Air Force can do, we will not be able to achieve anything. If you look at what's going on in Ukraine right now, the majority of the fighting in Ukraine is on the ground. That's because without ground support, you, you can't hold your objective. You can't achieve things simply by air power. And that's been one of those conundrums. The Air Force has a lot of cool toys, but they can't do what, what is needed as a nation by itself. And we as Christians, even if we have all the talents that we could imagine, those talents aren't going to do us as much good as they're going to do others. And when you read chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, those talents that, that were there, they're specifically designed to help others do things. So just like the military, the Army and the Air Force have to work together, and the Navy all work together to help each other, our talents are designed as Christians, not for ourselves, but to help others. Think about some of the talents that we have as Christians. What's, what's a talent that comes to the top of your head? Think about talents. I'm sorry? Serving. There we go. I have a talent to serve. You have a talent to serve. Does that benefit me, or does it benefit the person that I'm serving? The person I'm serving. There we go. How about another talent? Encouragement. There we go. Am I encouraging myself, or am I encouraging others? I'm encouraging others. Okay. How about another talent? Let's... let's Teaching, there we go. Am I teaching myself? Kind of. But hopefully, who's benefiting from this teaching experience? Others, oh, everybody in this audience. So it doesn't take long to figure out that the blessings that God is giving us are not meant to be held by ourselves. The tools and the resources that we have, yes, we could hold on to them. We could be very selfish, and, and, I, and I could hold on to my ability to serve, and I could only serve myself. What does God want me to do with that? What does God want us to do with that? 
God wants us to share. God wants us to work together. And so as we look at our talents individually, we are blessed with a tremendous amount of talent. Amen? And we're blessed with a tremendous amount of resources. Amen? But, but those are not for us. And if we try to hold on to them, like the rich young ruler did, what happens? We lose. I can play the game. I can win by having all the material at the end of the game. But at the end of the game, I've lost. And that's the hard part about this, is understanding that the riches that we have, they can benefit us. They absolutely can benefit us. But they're not designed to benefit us. And in fact, they can become a snare. They can become a trap. They can become that, that weight that we can't get out from under. Just like physical resources, our talents, our ability to do things can sometimes trap us as well. Have you ever heard of somebody on the radio that has a beautiful voice? I mean, you, it doesn't take long to think about people who have beautiful voices on the radio. They sing like, like, like nobody's tomorrow. I mean, just beautiful voices. But when you look at the lives of some of these people that have that talent to sing, they've got themselves so wrapped up in their own lives that they forget that they're singing to an audience. Think about NBA players on the basketball court. If that person uses their talent to make themselves look good, what happens to the rest of the team? The team falls apart. The team loses because individuals are so focused on doing their thing their way, using that talent that God has given them to serve themselves. That's the reason why the military came up with this joint principle is the Air Force and the Navy and the Army and the Marine Corps are proud of who they are. There's a lot of heritage, there's a lot of history built up in what they can do and the capabilities. But they have to be careful that those services don't become so centered and focused on getting their particular strength accomplished that they miss the overall objective of what they're trying to do in a combat situation. We as Christians, as we start walking through things, again, 1 Corinthians, we're walking through, and in chapter 12, verse 27, there's a comparison to Christ as a body. So let me ask you this. What is the single most important part of your anatomy? Don't be shy. Come on. Your heart. <laughs> the heart. Okay, I love it. The heart is part of your single most, and I heard another part down here, your brain. Okay. Your heart and your brain. Okay. Um, I'm getting some confliction here. Is there another part of your body that is the single most important part of your anatomy? The part that's hurting at that moment. Okay. That's, that's an interesting way of looking at it. So the part can change. Who wants to take another stab at it? The single most important part of your anatomy. Your mind, okay, the brain, the mind. All right, the whole makeup. Yes. So you've read the book. Exactly. The whole body, it's the, it's the composition. There is no single most important part. 
It is how your body fits together and works together that makes you unique. That is how Christ is explaining the church. The church is made up of unique individual parts, but it is the collection of those parts. It's how these parts fit together that make Christ, the church, his body function. No part is more important or less important than the other. They all have to fit together. And if you ever thought there was one part of the anatomy that could be overlooked, I want to introduce you to something called the appendix. That piece of the anatomy is seldom used, but if it something wrong goes to the something wrong happens to your appendix, it can totally ruin everything about you. It can kill you. So that's the challenge that we have as a church. We sometimes think that because somebody has abilities or more abilities, they naturally should be given a little more prestige or possibly um, a little more respect because certainly they're doing a lot of things. In the world, that is, that's the way we think in the world. I'm getting ahead. I'm moving forward. I'm using my talents to further myself. I'm getting an education. That's fine for the world. In the church, we have to be very careful that, like Scripture tells us, if I have someone who's good at hearing, but they envy the person who's good at seeing, and they say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not part of the body, no, we, we can't do that. We can't envy each other's talents. We have to look at the talents that we have and we have to be willing to use our talents because those talents are critical. Also, can you imagine how bad it would be if the heart told the stomach, hey, look, you know, I don't need you anymore. Go your own way. That relationship probably wouldn't last very long. How about the lungs? I mean, you can imagine the heart saying, you know, lungs, I do all the beating around here. You just, you just take this one out. Let about two minutes go by. You'll see how that relationship fans out. That's what I want us to start to, to, to kind of contemplate on today. As we start thinking about our relationship with each other, how can we work together and how can we take our talents that we have individually and how do we organize them so that we can ultimately use those talents to work each other through? So, uh, let's see. Susan made a good point. The part of the body that usually gets the most attention is the part that's hurting. How do we in the church recognize when parts of our body are hurting? Any thoughts? Hold on just a second. I'm going to get a mic for you because we've got some folks on social media that I want to get. One of the ways is with uh, interpersonal relationships. Like, okay. I may not be able to tell when something's hurting on everybody, but like if something's going on with Dale, I can tell the way he's moving. <laughs> so interpersonal relationships. So by virtue of us talking to each other, listening to each other, the body has a nervous system. And if there's a part that's hurting, that part sings out. That part acts different. It starts to hurt, and it says, hey, I need help. Sometimes in the church, we have that ability to recognize when people are hurting. And some people have the talent to know when that particular part of the body is hurting. But we need to also be 
kind of sympathetic for others that may, may be hurting in a way that's not absolutely foreseeable or has a visible piece on them. Um, think about some other, other ways that people hurt. I've got a hold on just a second. Let me get a mic for you down here on the front. Reggie. Reggie. Hold on. There we go. Okay, sometime um, I can look at you, and I know how your whole demeanor is, but sometimes something might be right, and I say, you okay, Alan, is something bothering you? And then, nah, but there is. And that's one of the things we have, perception, the ability to kind of look for, look for things that are going on, and then the willingness to ask. Because if we're not willing to ask, a lot of things kind of go by without people saying things, right? But if we're willing to ask, if I'm willing to say, hey, how are you today, brother? Can, you help, can I help you out? I may not have the best talent for listening or the best talent for social skills, but if I at least ask, I'm using that one ability that God has given me, and that is the ability to care. And being able to take advantage of that ability to care is one of the things that helps the church work together. Because if the church is used to caring and people recognize that this is a caring church, when somebody asks you how you're feeling, is it odd or is it natural? It should be natural. Having people ask you how you're doing today, brother, should not be an abnormality. It should be, hey, I'm doing pretty good, or, hey, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about something. I need your help. I need, I need your prayers. And that ability that we have to listen to each other and to pray for each other is something that God's given every single one of us. That's a talent that anyone and everyone can use. That's an ability that everybody can tap into to help the church function together as it needs to. Now, there are some talents that people have that are unique. And we, we have to kind of walk through some of these unique talents. And some of the talents we have to kind of solicit and get people to walk through and, and kind of be willing to do things. I want to tell you a quick story about Napoleon. Napoleon had, had two categories of, of things that he looked for. There were two traits that he measured people in. The first trait was their intellect, their ability to think and recognize and, and, and pick out things. So how I don't want to say how smart you were, but, but how much sense and common sense you had about you. That was one of the things Napoleon kind of looked at. The second was, how much enthusiasm did you have in your work? How much fervor, how much zeal did you have in life? And so he kind of built these, these four scenarios. The person who had a lot of zeal, and they were pretty smart, he immediately made them part of his staff because he knew that person was going to be very industrious and figure out ways to make things happen and get it done. And that's where Napoleon needed most of that work done. The person who was pretty smart and, and could figure things out, but was rather lazy, he immediately made them a commander. The reason is, the reason is Napoleon figured it out, the commander wants other people to do things, but he wants them or she wants them done in a way that's the smartest way to get it done, the most effective way. So the commander isn't going to get bogged down by doing the work, but the commander will make sure that other people get the work done. And that's exactly what Napoleon wanted his generals to do, was to make sure that things got done, but not necessarily them getting doing, tied up in doing it. The third was somebody who wasn't pr probably the brightest bulb in the box, but also didn't have a whole lot of enthusiasm. That was the, the standard infantry soldier. 
That was the, that was the person who was going to get things done, who would follow the orders, not necessarily get themselves in trouble, but not get anybody else in trouble. The one Napoleon watched carefully for was the person who had little common sense, but a tremendous amount of zeal. That was the most dangerous individual to have in the army from Napoleon's perspective, because that person could cause more damage than anybody in the army could fix and do it very quickly. And so in the church, we want to look for people who have that passion, who want to be that I can get it done. But we have to be careful and temper that with how much, I'm looking for the right word here, how much Christian maturity they have. Okay, is that a good word? Because we can find people who have a tremendous amount of zeal, but they don't have that maturity. They don't have the, the ability to understand how to relate with things and, and understand how Christ has put all of this together. Now, I got to admit, I had a lot of zeal and passion when I, when I first became a Christian. And I was probably one of those dangerous ones that Napoleon had a concern about. Because I had a tremendous amount of zeal to do things, but I didn't understand a lot about who Christ was at that time. I had a couple of gentlemen who were very kind, kind of took me under the wing and said, hey, you know, Alan, I, I appreciate your zeal. I love your brother, but let's work on the maturity piece. Let's help you get there. I didn't have a tremendous amount of talent at that time to be a Christian, but I had a lot of passion and a lot of drive. And as a church, we have to be very careful that we nurture that talent and that passion. Because the worst thing that we can do is take a new Christian who has a lot of passion and crush that passion by telling them, you're not good enough yet. You're not good enough. Or maybe we don't say you're not good enough yet. Maybe we just simply say, you're not good enough. And that can, that can put out a person's light really quickly. As we mature, that talent that we have inherited through others is something we have to pass on to others as well. So I'm going to ask the church, what are some thoughts that you have on where you're at that we could collectively combine our talents together to help inspire others in the church to reach out and do things that they may not have thought before? How do we tap into that latent talent pool that we have? How do we rekindle that, that fire, that zeal, to get the church kind of doing things that needs to be done? What are some thoughts? We have deacons. I'm sorry, we got a, a comment right back here. Hold on, let me get a mic Hold for you. Hold on for a second. I don't know if this is appropriate, but I was thinking to probably get an idea of the talent that you have in a church. It might be good to do outreach, some events where you can get people together, and then you can see what their talents are, and then you can determine where to place them. Absolutely. So there's a talent search, a talent pool, if you will, in the outreach. And this congregation is pretty good about doing that. I will say pretty good. Unfortunately, the last two years, we haven't had quite as much. There's this little thing called COVID that has put a significant damper on things. Now I'm going to get to the enemy side. What are things Satan wants this church to behave like? What are things Satan wants to ultimately take out? Okay, got another comment in the back? I would say unity. He wants to bring division so that there's confusion and nobody's working together. Right. Division and 
Satan wants us to feel like we're alone, isolated. And the easiest way to do that is to make you feel, like Reggie mentioned, nobody wants to know how I feel today. Nobody's asking me how I feel. I'm obviously hurting, but nobody's asked me for even a, even a word of sympathy. That can cause such division in the church that it ultimately crushes all of the talent and all the natural zeal that's going because people don't feel like I'm being respected, I'm being, I'm being valued. And like we talked about, the toe can get its feelings hurt very easily because the heart and the brain say the toe's not that important. So even as simple as, hey, how are you, brother? How are you doing? Or sister, how are you feeling today? That simple question connects the body together. It brings all that talent together and it allows us to kind of build that nurturing. But as we start walking through this, what are some of the other things that Christ would like for us to do as a body if we see somebody that is hurting? How should we respond? What are some of the things you can do if you see somebody hurting and they're not really helping themselves or they're not really willing to walk or talk to you about it? What are some of the things we can do as a church? You reach out to the person? You help them, okay. You let, you say, hey, you know, I see, I see somebody hurting. I don't have as good a relationship with them as I should have, but I know somebody who does. Come in here in the front. Hold on, just a little mic for you. So my mom always said that when you think of something, you think of somebody, you think of doing something, that you should go ahead and do that thing. And it's just proven time and time again when I've actually done something, like you send a card to somebody that you don't even think would care about it, but you just did it, or you did some act of kindness. You really just don't know the trickle-down effect of that. And I think that over COVID, and maybe we've gotten lazy, We've gotten lazy-minded. We think of things and we just don't do it because we have the COVID excuse. But I think maybe you're saying, what can we do to start back doing what we're supposed to as a congregation? Not that people aren't doing this. I'm just thinking that maybe individually we can start doing the things that come to our mind because that's a spirit talking to you. That's, that's God directing your path and directing your thoughts. We have the Holy Spirit, amen? The Holy Spirit is going to put things on our hearts. The Holy Spirit is going to say, hey, I need you to check on or to think about. And if we ignore that, that becomes a challenge because now we're, we're denying God the opportunity to use us. He has to use somebody else. But I think another excellent way to help. Um, Matthew chapter 7 talks about judging. And I know a lot of folk use that passage to say, don't judge me, but when you read a little further, it tells you, you, um, you talk, you know, you'll see the, uh, understand how the tree is by the fruit that it bears. We have to, if you want to help folk, we have to help with the right spirit. Yes. Um, if, if, if someone is going through something, I can't come at them with a, a hard exterior. I have to understand that God made me from dirt also, and that I'm never going to be worthy enough to judge anybody. But if I understand that I am also just as bad as anybody else on any given day, and I, if I come to you with that mentality, and then someone will listen so I can be able to help. 
Amen. Being vulnerable to somebody's condition, be understanding that we're all in this together and we have to kind of work together to make it happen. That is the key. Because if I some if if for some reason I put off the perspective that I know more than you, or that I I am not in that situation because I'm a better person than you are, we're absolutely going to alienate everybody in the church. And Susan mentioned COVID is one of those things that's put a damper on things. COVID has been this huge wet blanket that we've got to get out from other. But uh, I mean, yeah, I find out that with the crazy in the world now, I think just uh, greeting, you know, good morning or yes. something like that. Sometimes that brightens a person's day and they change their whole demeanor. Just, just yes, a simple yes, hi. Sir. How are you doing? And a handshake. Yeah. Amen. Yes, that's all. Sometimes that's all you need. It's Amen. Just a conversation. And I've got a comment here in the back. I was just going to say that you know the two greatest commandments that the Bible speaks of is loving God and loving thou neighbor like you love yourself. And part of helping people is loving them. And so if you keep the commandment, then you know we can help people. Loving each other is not. I don't want to praise this. Loving each other is not unique. We each have unique talents. We have our unique abilities. Loving each other is something God gave every person on this planet. Amen? We are not aliens. We are not unique in the fact that I can't feel love. Every person on the planet can feel love, can experience what God wants us to be. It's the ability to recognize that I can be who God wants me to be, and if God wants me to be a toe, I want to be the best toe that I can be because that's what God wants me to be. And that is one of the challenges that we have as a church is we see hearts and brains getting recognized, but the toe often gets ignored. That toe needs as much love and as much support as any other part of the anatomy does. And that's where that good morning comes in. That good morning, hi, how are you doing? If, if I'm not willing to say that, to every person in this church and mean it, then, then I'm missing out on one of the blessings that God has given me. Because that toe is going to save my life. That toe has the ability to be the piece that I need to get where I need to be. Amen? We're all here to help each other. We're all here to serve each other. We're all here to use the talents that God has given us so that we can help each other. Satan wants us to get locked into serving ourselves. Satan wants us to become so myopic that feeding myself is more important than feeding my brother. God is completely against that. God is saying everyone is just as important. And we have to not forget our children. We have beautiful singers in this church. Acapella, oh my God. I sit back here in his back. These guys are so talented, it's unbelievable. And we have to just encourage our youth just to keep up the good work. You hit a key word that I wanna close on because I've got just a few minutes. Encouragement. Loving one another is, is vital, but love manifests itself in encouragement, manifests itself in asking people, how are you doing today? It, love takes action. If I sit on that love and I hold on to it and I don't let it breathe and I don't let it move and I don't let it, I don't let it talk to me and I don't let myself respond to it, I'm like a plant in the middle of a desert that's just going to shrivel up and dry. 
only when I reach out through love and ask people, how are you doing? And I have to be really, really ready for the answer. Because some people are hurting, and I have to be ready to say, you know, how are you doing, brother? And I have to be ready to, to hear how that person is feeling today. But when you do that, when you make that connection, that is such an energizing, vibrant piece of being a Christian that this church lives on that. This church thrives on the ability to connect with one another, to serve one another. And when we give up that, that concept that I have to be the heart or the lung, God's able to use the talent that we have that we didn't even know we had. We have abilities that we have never tapped into. I mean, we, we try to tap into them occasionally. But when you find out that somebody's hurting in a way that you didn't realize, when you stretch out to try to help that person, you're going to exercise muscles in your body that you never knew you had. And by strengthening yourself to help others, the church is going to get stronger collectively. Because individually, everybody is going to have a bad day. Everybody is going to have hard times. Collectively, we can overcome all of the bad times the world can throw at us. Amen? Individually, Satan can isolate us, and individually, Satan can cause us to have really, really hard times. But if I'm willing to help out Ricky, I know Ricky's got my back when Satan's got me in his sights. And it's that ability that goes through all of the lessons that we talked about in this class. Because if you think about what we've talked about, objective, being able to know what it is that we're supposed to do, there are different parts of satisfying that objective. Being able to move, the maneuver piece, the concept of moving to where you're needed, I don't, if I don't know where I'm needed, I can't move there. But if I'm unwilling to move there, it doesn't matter whether I know it or not. I have to be willing to move where I'm led. Security, being able to know that somebody can, can watch my back while I'm watching somebody else. That ability keeps us together in a church and keeps us grounded in how things should be, how things could be, especially as the first century church. When you think about them moving freely and boldly and not caring about what happened, they were, they were able to make things happen that, that we today just kind of gawk at. Surprise, we talked about that earlier. Surprise is when we do things that Satan is not prepared for. And as long as we have each other's back, and as long as I'm willing to ask you, how are you doing today? And mean it. And give you a hug. And say, let's, let's figure out how to make this happen. The world doesn't know how to deal with that particular kind of surprise but it should be a normal, everyday occurrence here in the church. Because what I'd like for the church to, to kind of work through is recognizing that the elders here and the deacons, they have a job, and they're trying to do that job, and they're working hard. Ricky's got a very big job, but those jobs are only on a few shoulders. We as a congregation can help the deacons and the elders and help Ricky Get that moving. Ricky preaches to us on a, daily on, a, on a weekly basis. If we let Ricky's sermon go in our ears and just sit, and we don't act on his sermon, Ricky can only reach this congregation and a few others by, by social media. But imagine how powerful Ricky's message is when he teaches us and we turn and we teach others. And we use his message to, to, to drive how we act in the world to change our lives, and to change the lives of others. That's what happened in the first century. 
That's how powerful God's message was in the first century. And it wasn't an individual. Paul did not do it all by himself. Paul had help. We can help each other, and we can be the help that takes God's word in all the different shapes and formats that we can imagine. And in fact, I see things happening in the church in the next five years that could absolutely blow this community away. It's just a question of whether we want to take that first step, take the action, take the initiative, and do the things that we know we need to do. Most importantly, letting God work through us in any way that he has and the way you set up. I appreciate y'all's comments and, and interest. I, I wanted to wrap up this sermon, or sermon, <laughs> trying not to teach a sermon, wrap up this series on a new note, specifically talent and understanding how we have that talent and the ability to help others. Use your talents, and if you don't think you have a talent, try it. If you don't think you have a talent for singing, just try it and, and see what God does with your effort, with your, your interest, with your abilities. God is, real, God is able to make things happen that just amazes me every day. And again, I want to thank you all for coming out. Thank you for your comments and appreciation. We have a new class next week, so I'm looking forward to that. And with that, I wish you all a wonderful afternoon, wonderful day, and happy weekend. So thank you much. Hey, thanks, Brother Allen.